In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Public PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. Talking today about tailbone pain, or as you guys call it, TBP. No, we don't call it that. Jesse Jesse always tries to like do these random acronyms for our stuff, and I'm like, he's like, one of them's going to hit sometime. I think it's going to hit, guys. In that a couple years, you guys are going to hear a course about TBP, and you're going to be like, awesome, I've been waiting for that TBP course to come out. No, TBP. no will be waiting. Okay, well... We'll see about that. But guys, a lot of cool stuff to be talking about there. A couple of announcements as we head into June here. If you are a business owner, either a wannabe business owner or someone with a current business, we have some interesting stuff coming out for you. So just make sure to stay alert. Check that out at pelvicptrising.com slash business. That is the Kickstart program for you guys who are in that wannabe phase and those who have a business, wherever you're at in that process, whether you're a solopreneur, whether you're hiring, growing beyond yourself, you'd be looking at the Business Accelerator program. So, And just a little something to say about that. So last week, we did seven things to track in your business. And we've been getting back so many, I've been getting back so many DMs and emails of, because we asked you guys of the seven things that we track at Pelvic Sanity, the things that you're supposed to be tracking if you have a business, how many of those things could you tell me right now? We're getting a lot of zeros, some twos. Two's been the highest so far, right? Two's been the highest so far. Which and then like 28%, by the way, yeah. if, we're, if we're grading this. Even on a curve, wouldn't be great. <laughs> it's pretty terrible. Even on a curve, you would suck. Suck. So yeah, so you especially need to be paying attention to the accelerator program because if you have a business and you're not tracking this stuff and you, even if you are tracking and you don't know how to interpret it, and even if you are interpreting it and then you're freaking out about the wrong kinds of things about it, then the accelerator program is certainly for you. So I'm uh, really excited for this. It's been a long time coming and get on that darn wait list. Perfect. So if you are interested in talking about tailbone pain, here is kind of the thoughts here. And Nicole, well, this goes back to our A Missing Piece series. For those of you guys who haven't been tuning in recently, it's been a running series we've been doing for I think the last eight weeks or so on a missing piece for a specific diagnosis. It's not always the missing piece. It's not a magic formula because there really isn't that in physical therapy, right? But it is something that Nicole feels like is overlooked, is kind of brushed over, and is something that can really transform the way that you are treating these specific diagnoses. So Nicole, for tailbone pain, you said treating in quadruped. Yes. Well, Last week, we also talked about a missing piece, vulvodynia, where vulvodynia meaning is pain in the vulva. Coccyx pain is no different. Coccydynia or tailbone pain is literally says just that the person has pain at the tailbone. And so 
one of the things that, and we're going to go through a progression of things that I think we missed to get to the, the actual treating and quadruped, because it's also treating and quadruped rectally that I think is, is hugely missing. But coccidinia means that we need to still be figuring out what is the source of that pain. And what is the structure? What is the position? What is the movement that is creating this problem? And a lot of times I think that we kind of are like, oh, we could just get by with, I am assessing the pelvic floor. I am assessing the posterior pelvic floor that way. And while you can approximate that area vaginally, you really can't get to it very well until unless you do it rectally. And then if you think about the mechanism of why somebody might be having tailbone pain, and we'll go into this here in a second, then we also need to be doing some sort of movement with it in, in our assessment. And so that leads us to treating in a position like quadruped rectally for people with tailbone pain. So I think this, Nicole, when we were talking about this, goes back to something that you say a lot in the strengthening course. I think it's just a underlying principle that you have when you teach is that as best you can mimic the task that's causing pain and symptoms. And I think when we were talking about what people who have tailbone pain usually experience from treatment, it kind of goes in a, a little bit of a progression from stuff that's very far away from mimicking that to what Nicole's going to be talking about in treating in quadruped that is as close as possible to do it. But in terms of the progression that a lot of people go through, if, if you just go to your GP, say you've got tailbone pain, hopefully they send you to physical therapy, probably not, frankly, but you get to a physical therapist, if you go to a true ortho clinic, they're not even touching, right, Nicole, a lot of times like below your belly button. Yeah, or they get real weird about it, or you're trying to palpate through jeans or some freaking lame thing. So, I mean, there's a lot of problems with with just going to an orthopedic therapist for a pelvic floor diagnosis. And so I, I really I encourage us all to be making sure that we're educating our ortho folks that those people really need to be referred or at least screened using the Cozine screening, pelvic floor dysfunction screening protocol to be able to like be like, you know what, you really don't belong here. And I don't care if you're a great low back pain person. I don't care if you're a great SI joint person orthopedic wise, like those people aren't assessing the pelvic floor. I don't even care if you say you're treating the pelvic floor and you don't do internal. Like that's a whole other podcast for a different day. I have a huge problem with that. But like we have to make sure that that we're also treating the internal. So those people that are just going to ortho are doing are usually going to external only treatment. Well, and that's like the next level, right? So the traditional ortho person who's not even willing to touch you like above the knee or below the belly button. And then there's the next step is those folks who will be working externally and are actually willing to touch in the area that's being affected, but aren't willing, able, trained to do internal at all. Correct. Right. Those are those peeps. And then those are the people that are also probably not very well versed in all of the other pelvic floor things that we have to screen for and talk about. So bowel, bladder, sexual dysfunction stuff, in addition to the orthopedic pelvic pain that, that, that this person's having. So what would that actually look like if someone was like willing to kind of go there, but not do internal? What does that actually look like? That's like the person that's that has like, is like a one trick pony. Like they only have one thing up their sleeve. So they do like the stuck drawer test because they looked it up on YouTube for a second. 
or that was like brushed over in one of their lumbar courses and they're like, here, sit here. And then they do the stuck drawer technique for the coccyx and they're like, is it better? And the person's like, well, no. And they're like, okay, well, let's try this other. And then they go right back to like back stuff. That's usually what that is. And they, you know, and those people get all proud of themselves because they're treating the tailbone, quote unquote, but they're really not assessing all and doing a true differential diagnosis for all of the different things that could be driving that pain. And as we know, as pelvic floor therapists, like there's a ton of stuff. There's a lot of pelvic floor nerves, muscles, ligaments, and then also obviously the bone and the way that the bones move and the way that they interact with each other through the SI joint and the hip joint are also really important to be looking at as the whole picture. So that's sort of what that would look like. Okay, so then the next layer, as you're getting kind of closer and closer, would be to someone who has only been treated vaginally or had a rectal quote-unquote check. Although I know, Nicole, that's like a nails on a chalkboard to you too when someone's had their pelvic floor checked or they had the rectal checked. Like, what does that mean? Gosh darn, I don't know, but that's happening a lot. During my remote consultations, I always ask, like, have you been, if there's an option to be treated vaginally and rectally, then I always ask, have you also been assessed rectally? And most times the answer is no. But when the answer is yes, even then I ask another follow-up question and be like, okay, great. Well, about how many times over the course of working with with your therapist have you actually done this? Is this a routine thing? Or is it one or two time thing? Oh, they just checked it. They said it was kind of fine. Or they just checked it and they said that they could just get to it vaginally. So then we just stopped doing rectal treatment. And man, that just like fries me because number one, that person's usually talking to me from across the darn world because they're not able to get the help that they need when, when it's like, yeah, you're right there. Like just keep doing it. Like keep assessing it. Don't just check and like move on. It's almost like you're you know, poking real quick and being like, uh, is that, does it hurt? Nope. Okay, good. I don't have to go there. So it's one of those kind of things, which is frustrating to me to hear it. So then the next level would be rectal, but only in sideline, which is probably where most people listen to this podcast are at, I would guess, either in stage three or four, right? Either in a really comfortable vaginally, not so much rectally, or have been trained in rectal, but only in sideline. And aren't feeling really comfortable going beyond that. That's the only thing they've had in their courses. Maybe that's, you know, Herman Wallace 2A or the APTA, whatever that is, but have not really been trained in a way other than rectal or or maybe supine. Yeah. So this is one of my big beefs about how peeps are trained in these entry level courses, but a lot of times we do it in sideline first. And and I don't know where that really comes from. I don't know if that's because we think it's more, quote unquote, more comfortable for the patient. I don't know if we think it's when you're learning, it's more comfortable for, for the practitioner. Like I'm actually not sure because I like never treat in sideline. I think it's really difficult to get a true assessment of what's going on with the pelvic floor in Wait, that position. In 20 second timeout, why is that? Why is what? Why is it so hard to get a accurate assessment of the pelvic floor when you're sideline. I mean, talk about like a functional position. Is that, Does anyone say, ever say, I have pain when I'm in the fetal position? <laughs> no, like I no one says that. After I have pain, but no, usually that's, that's something that helps I mean, me. it's usually, that's like what that is. And so, I mean, I know that like a lot of colorectal surgeons sometimes will, will assess that way. You do, you can't get into relatively relaxed positions. So, but you're just like in a completely asymmetrical position. The organs are now sort of hanging down because of gravity. You just get a, an inaccurate 
assessment of what the pelvic floor is doing and what the entire pelvic girdle is doing. You know, one side is the top side is completely free with hip. The other side is pinned on the table. It's just, I just think it's, I just never do it. I think it's not appropriate, (laughs) but that's just me. Well, so, and then, but this again goes back. I think this is a really important thing to tease out because I, even I having listened to you talk for a long time, Nicole, and I, I'm sure this is somewhere hidden in your rectal course or not even hidden, but talking about why that is, but you could assess somebody rectally in sideline and get a completely different idea, picture, assessment than you would if you assess them in supine, than if you assess them in quadruped, like you're going to be talking about, like it would, could potentially feel like a whole different pelvic floor. Yes, definitely. It could be a completely different pelvic floor and it's not a very functional position. So I understand the premise and I reject it. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, I get why people do it. I get why we're taught there maybe. And then I'm like, well, that's, I don't like that. So, and then it's kind of the same thing goes for supine. Although there are some times when supine would be appropriate. And the biggest thing here, when you're talking about tailbone pain is that if you think about the times when, when people most often have tailbone pain, it's in some form of hip flexion or trunk flexion or both. And so that is what we have to mimic, right? Because I'm always talking about assessing and treating, mimicking the task that is causing that person pain and then deciding, is it the task itself that's causing the person pain or are they trying to avoid something because something else hurts and they're trying to, and the the action is they're them trying to avoid pain, and they just can't get quite get away from it. But that's where we can. I think we have the most ability to assess freely the coccyx, the pelvic floor, muscles and nerves around that, and play around with hip flexion angles and trunk and spinal position, all in non weight bearing, which is helpful for some folks, and then. That's how we can get the most information of what is happening for our differential diagnosis. Okay, so if you are then treating someone in quadruped, then you can basically change all of those different variables that are kind of fixed when you're treating in other positions. Yes. Hip angle, back angles. Again, I'm not using all the right words, but there's a lot (laughs) of different things that you can play with to kind of see where the pain is what mimics their symptoms, how the pelvic floor shifts with the way that their hips move, their back moves, all of that stuff. Is that the, is that the basic premise? Yes. And I like the fact that you can take the foot out of it. They're on hands and knees, right? They're in quadrupeds. So you don't have the foot that's activating anything on there. And then you can do different stuff with both hip add and abduction. You can do stuff with hip flexion and extension and you can do stuff with hip internal and external rotation. You can activate hamstrings. You can activate glutes in that position. You can activate glutes in a lengthened position, which I really like to see as well as you go back into like a child's pose position. Then you can do all kinds of things to both activate the glutes in a lengthened position and see what the tailbone does in that way. I mean, there's just like a huge variety of things that you can do. You can play around with people's 
hands and activate their back extensors from the up in their shoulder and their lats and see because that comes back down and interdigitates with the thoracolumbar fascia and that can a lot of times be causing a lot of tailbone pain so people's shoulder dysfunction can kind of come into that into play there so it's just a really really versatile way to treat the pelvic floor if someone that has tailbone pain i know that a lot of the tendency is to get somebody in sitting and sitting is great and sitting is something that i do teach and do a lot as well because again that mimics the the action that they're having the most pain with if they're having pain with sitting which a lot of people with tailbone pain are but you are limited in how much internal you can do with somebody in sitting. And so a lot of times we default into external treatment in sitting and we kind of leave out that internal component um, unless you're treating on a commode. And I don't, I don't typically do that either. So there's a lot of challenges with that as well. So I think overall, you know, there are a couple of cons to treating a quadruped, but the majority of it are pros. And so I think that this is one of the best positions to do it. And I feel like it's one of the ones that's most overlooked. One of the big reasons why Jessica and I, Jessica Real of Southern Pelvic Health and I decided to do this at Pelvicon was one of these reasons too. We were talking one day about tailbone pain and, and tossing around, you know, things that we could do for post-con back in Pelvicon 2022. And not shockingly, Jessica and I have a lot of same treatment philosophies and techniques, which is one of the reasons why we get along so well together. But we were like, gosh, we have to do that. Like I treat in quadruped too. And, we're, and so it was like, oh my gosh, we have to do that. And so we did. And, and that was a lot of really great information and just goes to show that like of those whatever, 110 people that were there, not very many people routinely treat in in quadruped and, and other positions other than sitting and whatever other position you learned pelvic floor rectal assessment in. Okay. And you mentioned in there some cons of quadruped. I know we were talking mostly about why this is important and all of that, but I feel like I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you to clarify a little bit. What are some of the cons that you see in, in treating quadruped? I mean, you could argue that that's also not a crazy functional position. How many times is someone like on hands and knees? I mean, I guess that's more often sometimes than not, but they might not be. I feel like it's still a very functional position, even though it doesn't exactly translate to some to a task that they might be doing. So this is where you have to use your brain a little bit. If someone says, oh, I have pain in sitting when I lean forward to get up out of the couch, right? That's a lot of hip flexion. Usually they're doing lumbar extension at the same time. That is a hard thing to mimic when they're in sitting. It's not as great to mimic it in supine because then you miss, you get more of a posterior pelvic tilt versus when they're sitting up, they're getting into like lumbar extension. So that's where I feel like quadruped is the best thing to sort of mimic that. The con of that is that it's not a weight bearing position. So it's, it isn't a weight-bearing position of the tailbone. And if someone has pain in sitting, that is a weight-bearing position with the two ischial tuberosities and the tailbone itself actually being a weight-bearing joint. So you are taking that out of the thing. But it can also give you a lot of information if they don't have pain in the same exact hip angles and spine angles that sitting would be, right? So it's like, it, it can be both, but that is one of the quote unquote cons is that it does take out that factor. 
So if somebody was really interested in treating a quadruped, I don't want to use the metaphor like dip a toe when we're talking about rectal. That just seems like we're mixing too many metaphors here. <laughs> but if somebody does want to take the first step and figure out how to do this, other than building a time machine and going back to 2022 Pelvicon and taking your postcon, like how do you get started? How did you start? Because I, I know you probably weren't trained in this. This wasn't a Herman Wallace 11Z that you took, right? This right. was... Like, how did you get started, and how would you recommend somebody else kind of get started with treating a quadruped? I mean, honestly, you guys, I would just, if you don't routinely do this, I would just start doing it. That's the thing. You just have to start doing it. Now you know the underlying reason why it makes sense to. So if you are, if you're holding back at all because you're like, I'm not really sure, you know, is this really the right thing to do? It is. It totally is. And so if that's what confirmation you need, then great. But we just got to try stuff. And I think the other thing that holds people back is, is, oh, is my patient going to think it's weird? And, you know, how do I even ask them? And you just be like, yo, (laughs) like, I think that, that, I would be able to assess the pelvic floor in this really awesome way that most closely mimics some of the positions that your legs and hips and spine are in at the same time. And you can control a lot of that motion. And so what it is, it's on hands and knees and you can, you know, get in the position, show them what it is. And then you just be like, I'm just going to, you know, insert one glove finger in, in the rectal area and we can actually see, and then you can show them on the pelvis. You know, I can actually feel what it's like when you move back into hip flexion. That's like the action of what you're doing when you're sitting. And we're going to see if I can feel anything that's happening at your pelvic floor that might give us the clue to what's going on, period. And most of the time they're, they're like, well, okay. You know, if you're not, if you don't make it weird, if you don't think it's weird, then don't make it weird. And your patient won't think it's weird either. And if they do, then we have an assessment to make. How weird do they actually think it is? And are we okay proceeding with it in that way? And how important is it really to their plan of care? Yeah, don't make it weird. I love that because you are the expert. I mean, there's half of this country is guys who have been to a doctor's office and they like stick a hand down your pants and say, turn your head and cough. I still have no fucking idea why anybody does that. Nobody spent 25 minutes explaining it to me, but you know what? My doctor said it with confidence. I'm assuming it's important for something. So I let them fondle me and I turn my head and cough. Like... They don't make it weird. It's not you weird. Know what that's for? No. Why would I know what it's for? <laughs> they never says anything. The thing is, that you guys, is I feel like we don't understand that like most medical providers don't do that. They don't explain things. So just explain things to your patient, have a conversation, see how they feel about it, and then just try it. And you're gonna suck at it at first, and that's totally fine. The patient's usually not gonna know. But the second that you are like, oh my gosh, and something changes at like that everything's fine at hip flexion 90. And then as they get back more into like 120, 130, and they say, ah, I have a little bit of pinching in my front of my hip and you feel their whole pelvic floor clamp down on your finger. It's like, booyah, you found it. This is freaking rad. And then now we can decide and play around in that range with what is going to be relieving to them and what's releasing and, and is those tailbone deviating to one side, what's restricting that. And then we get into the fun part. And then we can help the patient to see that like, oh, that gave me a ton of information. We're going to try these two things today and you're going to come back and tell me how you do, right? I mean, that's how we roll. So if you are worried about just starting that way, then freaking just do it. This is my challenge to you. Pick an appropriate patient, have a conversation with them. 
and just try and see what you feel. And then you might be very pleasantly surprised with the some of the, the information that you get, and then that can inform the rest of your treatment. Awesome. So that is a missing piece when it comes to tailbone pain is treating in quadrupeds. So would love to have you guys reach out. If you guys are currently treating in quadruped, would love to hear a little bit more from you about how you came to that and has it been a game changer for you in the way that you treat tailbone pain. If you're not yet and have questions, if you want to reach out, we always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. Rise.